This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond engagement rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and, and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, when we go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort, we could be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Well, the win streak was fun while it lasted, but it caps off at six games, unfortunately, as the Rockets do drop the second game in this little mini-series against the Oklahoma City Thunder, 104-87. to What is up? And welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and the founder slash managing editor of ClutchCityControlRoom.com, your home for all things Houston hoops. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as the blog at ClutchCityCR. 104-87, the final score, and this game was a bit of a doozy. And it was like, so first off, Rockets are missing John Wall, It's the first night of a back-to-back, so John Wall is resting this game. Victor Oladipo will be resting uh, in the subsequent game in Memphis against the Grizzlies. And the Rockets really missed John Wall in the worst kind of way. And I'm going to dive deep into that and kind of what he means to this team specifically in the third segment. I think I'm going to talk about the couple bright spots from this game here in segment one, talk about the bad in segment two, and then I'm going to get into kind of some big picture stuff in segment three about John Wall and the the direction of this team. But um, first things first, I mean, final score, 104-87. Just kind of general vibes before I get into the good spots from this game. I mean, it was kind of a slow burn, I feel like, because it wasn't even, the end of the first quarter wasn't even that bad. Like, yeah, the Rockets came out and they didn't quite have the right energy early. Um, But by the end of the first, like it wasn't, you know, a ridiculous lead or anything. Like OKC was only up 30 to 25 and it wasn't a pretty quarter of basketball and there there was definite room for improvement, but it wasn't, ridiculous and then the second quarter happened and then like the Rockets regressed a little bit more and OKC you know had another pretty solid quarter so you go into the halftime you know down 11 and it it hurts because Boogie had a chance to sink two free throws that were given to him kind of freebies right there with that ridiculous foul uh, right before halftime and he missed both free throws so instead of cutting it to a nine point lead and getting all that momentum uh, right after he sunk the three pointer to cut it from 14 to 11 then you know you're still dealing with a double digit deficit and then the third quarter is where the game you know the the Thunder just blew the doors wide open and 
what what mainly hurts from this loss is the Thunder were already down uh, SGA, who wasn't playing in this game. They've been missing uh, George Hill, and then Lou Dort went down nine minutes into this game. So essentially, they're playing with a nine-man roster. Um, and credit to the Thunder, right? They got totally blown out and embarrassed Monday night. Rockets in control, coasted the entirety of that game. And then that didn't happen in this one. They played hungrier. They wanted to win. They played with more energy. Um, The Rockets definitely didn't come out with the right intensity, the right feel um, for this game. In fact, I do want to hear from Steven Silas really quick, get his thoughts on exactly uh, just, you know, some general overview on this one before I dive into my couple good takeaways from this game. So let's just jump to Steven Silas right now. We, we didn't come with the correct approach. We didn't have the right energy right from the start of the game. Uh, we tried to just uh, kind of ease our way into the game, and, and they hit us hard right from the start. So, um, you know, instead of just – I told the team, instead of being like, we're good, we're good, we're good. No, it's not we're good. We got to be good, and we got to come with the correct approach. And uh, I know for the last – three days or whatever, how long we've been here in Oklahoma City. That's been like my main word is our approach. And I didn't think we had the correct approach tonight. We uh, didn't get the ball movement that we wanted. And um, we didn't play the defense that we wanted, even though we held them to 104 points. Uh, Just not satisfied with that effort, especially at the beginning of the game. As kind of easy as the game was for us going into tonight's game, or from last game to tonight's game, Human nature at times kicks in and and think that it's going to be easy again and we're going to make all those shots again. And obviously we didn't. And there were times where I felt like instead of creating good threes for our teammates, we were trying to create good threes for ourselves. And the way that we made all those threes in the last game was a result of ball movement, uh, paint penetration, drawing the second defender, um, most of it was like assisted threes. So, um, yeah, we, we got to learn from it and understand what our recipe is for us to be good and starts on the defensive end, but it also is a ball movement type thing. But yeah. Steven Silas talking about this loss now, you know, and he brings up the human nature aspect, which uh, Matt Bullard tends to bring up on the on the broadcast, talking about that was a a saying of Rudy T is that you know it's in human nature to uh, you know to get complacent at times and to to think that this was going to be an easy win based on how things happened in the first meetup between these two teams, and it's you know frankly that's not how it ever happens, right? The Rockets got comfortable. Um, and unfortunately, that was a bit of their undoing, which we'll talk about in this second segment. But I do want to give uh, the shout outs to the the two Rockets that I really did feel uh, played well in this one. And that's Eric Gordon and Sterling Brown. Uh, so EG has his 10th game on the season with 20 plus points starting in the starting lineup in place of John Wall for this one, uh, which I find a little peculiar. And I'll I'll throw that into my uh, segment two for the bad stuff or possibly the segment three for the big picture stuff, but I'll get on more on that in a minute. 
Uh, but yeah, so that starting lineup with Eric Gordon, Victor Oladipo, Christian Wood, Jay Sean Tate, PJ Tucker. Uh, Eric had 22 points on 8 of 15 shooting, 3 of 9 from behind the arc, 3 of 3 at the charity stripe, had a few rebounds, had 4 assists, had 2 steals. He did have 4 turnovers, which turnovers were a big part of why this game was so sloppy, unfortunately. Uh, but that's to be expected when EG and Oladipo have to, you know, kind of uh, tag team the ball handling responsibilities in the absence of John Wall. And unfortunately, because neither of those two guys are legitimate bona fide playmakers the way that Wall is. So there's bound to be an increase in turnovers, unfortunately. So, but uh, apart from that, I mean, Eric you know, was was really the driving force in this game. I remember at one point he had already hit the 20-point mark, I think, uh, somewhere in the early third quarter. And at one point, I just remember the score being the Rockets were in the low 50s, like 50 or 52 or 54 points scored. And uh, Eric had about 20 of them. And I was like, wow. So Eric has 20. The rest of the team has 30. And that was my like immediate reaction. And if, if Eric Gordon is scoring... 40% of your total point volume on any given night unless you're the Utah unless you're playing the Utah Jazz in Utah and it's 1 year ago then you're probably going to lose that game unfortunately. So and unfortunately this wasn't another 50 burger for Eric Gordon if it was maybe the Rockets would have had a chance uh but uh you know it was a solid night overall for Eric uh you know really solid defense you know he just he brings it every night and it's been great to get this kind of vintage eg back um i wish that he had been in the sixth man role uh maybe that could have helped with the energy and the flow of this game and we'll talk about that more in a little bit uh and then the other guy sterling brown you know sterling was the one rocket really out of the bunch on monday night who felt like he, you know he didn't really have a good game so it was really nice to see him kind of bounce back in a good way in this one four of eight shooting had 11 points six rebounds three assists two steals two blocks in this game he just completely filled up the stat sheet three of six shooting from downtown um, everything you want to see and more out of Sterling Brown in this game. So definitely want to tip my cap to him for being one of the only two positive contributors on this team uh, in a game that was frankly kind of embarrassing. The Rockets had no business losing this game, uh, even the fact that they were without John Wall and without David Nwaba still, who, you know, still sitting out with that sore left ankle, uh, who will, fingers crossed, hopefully be available in Memphis because he is a game changer for this team. Even without those two guys, there's no excuse to lose to the Thunder team that just, you know, they lost their best player in SGA. Uh, or playing without their best player in SGA, lost Lou Dort nine minutes into the game. There's just zero excuses, you know, and a lot of it, you know, we'll, we'll dive into the specifics of kind of some of the the trouble spots in this game here in just a moment. But that's kind of my main message from there. Um, overall, the shooting was just, you know what, before I, you know, before I get into the numbers, I'm just going to go ahead and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll save that for segment two. So let's get in a quick word here from our friends over at rockauto.com. Look, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, whereas rockauto.com's prices are the exact same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. Look, they always offer the lowest possible prices, rather than changing prices around based on what the market will bear, kind of like what airlines do. rockauto.com has everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything, and I mean everything, that you need in just a few easy clicks 
projects delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, discussing the end to the Rockets winning streak, uh, losing 104-87 to the OKC Thunder. And I probably should have said this in the first segment, but um, I'm not, like, upset with this loss. Like, I'm upset in the way that, like, they, it's the Thunder, they should have beat them, like, nine men, yeah, like, all, like, they should have won. But realistically, it's the NBA. Like, you have to have a short memory in the NBA because uh, weird games like this happen all the time, right? The Rockets couldn't miss Monday night. And then they come into this game and they couldn't hit the broadside of the barn. I mean, they started three of six from downtown. So they started three of six, shooting 50%, looking pretty solid you know, after kind of some shaky footing in the game. You know, in that first quarter, there was some turnovers here and there, but the, you know, three of six after one quarter. And then, or not, I apologize, I'm not 100% sure if it was after one quarter, but just three of six, I remember that number from the broadcast. They finished the game 12 of 46 for 26% from behind the arc. So they hit nine of 40 from three the rest of the way, 25% after starting 50%. That's just not great. Like that's just, it's really hard to overcome those shooting numbers. And Again, you know, my my main I'm, I want the message to be here, right? This isn't this doesn't need to be an overreactionary loss. It doesn't need to be oh crap, the Rockets lost to an undermanned Thunder team. They're not serious, right? I could sit down and if I had the time and the desire to do so, I could go point to any other team in the association, all 29 other teams, and point to a bad loss that those teams had no reason losing that game, right? It happens every year, and it happens multiple times throughout a year where teams just have random lapses. And going into this stretch of games, um, this 10-game stretch, with the Ro- which the Rockets are actually at the halfway point of, five games into it now, Uh, where the Rockets were playing all teams that were either at or below 500 when I originally pulled the next 10 games on their schedule. They are now 4-1 and in this stretch, and I kind of predicted that, and not kind of, I, I did predict, I said that they'd probably lose one of the two Thunder games and that they were going to drop either the Grizzlies game or the Spurs game in this stretch of 10 games. And so I was kind of feeling like an 8-2 and two mark over this stretch. So 8-2 and two is still on the table. And I say that because these little, again, these little mini-series games are kind of weird. And, you know, to, to harken back to the first segment, it's human nature to, you know, have this kind of complacency after the first game or, or vice versa, right? Maybe if the Rockets had lost the first game between these two, then that's that, you know, extra incentive to come out with, you know, a, a significant, you know, uh, gut punch or or counter blow right to the thunder in game two that's what kind of makes these little mini series so interesting because they're almost like a mini playoff series right and in a playoff series you know if you get you know blown out in one game or you lose the first game then you come back you make the adjustments and you you know get another crack at the same team the very next game so it's just a weird dynamic that we don't usually get in the NBA and now we're seeing it this season because of COVID so as far as the actual specifics from this game uh, 
do have to credit the Thunder. They did a good job defensively by really packing the paint, uh, collapsing consistently and forcing the Rockets to, you know, either kick the ball back out or just uh, stopping driving lanes, really forcing guys to take these, you know, ill-advised or contested shots in the paint. Um and the Rockets didn't do a good a good enough job of, A, recognizing when the defense was collapsing and kicking it out. There were multiple times that uh, Gordon or Oladipo would drive in and be met by, you know, two or sometimes even three defenders, you know, just the OKC defense collapsing. And they weren't kicking the ball out to the open shooters because when defenders are collapsing in, that means there's an open man somewhere. And just the, the court vision was not on display tonight in this one. They weren't making that correct first read to break down the defense and then because of that we weren't able to see the beautiful domino effect that we've been seeing uh, when the offense is humming and looks good where you know they they get the first pass to the right guy and then that guy makes the next extra pass and then an extra pass and an extra pass and we get that beautiful ball movement that we've been seeing or that we've you know seen the last couple times we've seen these 48 point quarters where the Rockets look like they're firing on all cylinders shots are going extra passes are being made we didn't see any of that in this game we really didn't and uh, the other big standout that I have offensively from this one is Victor Oladipo had 24 shot attempts in this game Christian Wood had seven shot attempts in this game that is absolutely inexcusable unacceptable it cannot happen Victor Oladipo cannot have more than triple the shot attempts of the best player on the team. And this is an area that I do feel like John Wall was missing in. And this is an area that I feel like Christian Wood hasn't grown into yet. And this is an area that Victor Oladipo needs to recognize is a weakness of his. And in fact, I want to, let's jump really quick. Let's hear what Victor Oladipo had to say about this game uh, immediately afterwards in post game. No, I just, I gotta be better. Uh, Today, I just had to be better. Um, so this loss is on me. I take full blame. Uh, I got to do a better job making sure the guys are ready, making sure I'm ready, both physically and mentally. Um, and, you know, it's a tough loss. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it happened. Um, and we just got to be better. We got to make sure no matter what we play to win, um, instead of playing to make sure we don't lose, if that makes sense. So, um no, it's a, it's, a, it's a great learning lesson for us moving forward. Uh, great lesson, learning lesson for myself moving forward as far as preparation for, for games go. Um, just being smarter and making sure my body is mentally and physically ready to play at the highest level. So that was Victor Oladipo, of course, talking about uh, his reaction to this loss. And I, I like what he said, you know, talking about he, he understands that this loss is on him. Um, you could maybe make the case, yeah, that that's kind of a generic, oh, this loss is on me type quote, but I think maybe he does realize what the what the issue is. And because moving forward, if this is the game plan on back-to-backs where Oladipo has to be you know, more of the ball handler facilitator role while John Wall is out, then he has to actively look to get others involved more. And on the Christian Wood angle of this, this is where he still has room to grow in areas that aren't even necessarily a direct, you know, X's and O's element on the court is Christian Wood needs to realize that 
he is the best player on this Rockets team, period. You know, it's not, is it Christian Wood or is it John Wall? No, it's Christian Wood is the best player on this Rockets team. John Wall can be the alpha dog and he can be the leader and he can definitely be like the the locker room presence and he can be kind of the face of the team because Christian Wood isn't ready for that responsibility yet, I don't think. But Christian Wood is the most talented best player on this team and he has to play like it. If he doesn't, this team will run into issues like they did in this game. There is absolutely no reason in a game where John Wall did not play that Christian Wood should only have seven shot attempts. And I will say that in this one, there were two element, two elements, one directly correlated, directly associated with Christian Wood is right, he is just still recovering from the ankle injury. I'm not blaming that, but he is fresh off the ankle injury, and we did just see him re-aggravate that same ankle uh, a game or two ago. I forget which specific moment it was, but that could be, uh, you know, maybe he's experiencing some lingering stuff from that. I'm not trying to excuse his lack of aggressiveness. I'm calling him out for it. You are the best player. Act like the best player. That is my that is my message directly to Christian Wood. That being said, I'm trying to see if there's, you know, throwing it out there that there's possibility, possibly some other variables involved in that. Now, the other one from this game is the refing was a little questionable at times. It was definitely, and look, I, I you know, I have this qualm with some, and it's not, may, you know, directed at anybody in particular, but it's just, you know, I feel like Rockets fans, kind we, we, you know, Rockets fans have a bad rap for wanting to blame the refs for everything. That's just that's just a thing, right? In NBA circles, in other fan bases, everybody's ready to, you know, pounce on Rockets fans for blaming the refs. And so, you know, as a voice covering the Rockets, I just want it to be known, yeah, the refing was, there was some, you know, botched calls here and there. Steven Silas was, you know, irate about the the kickball at midcourt that ab- absolutely should have been a kick, kickball. I was upset at that one. Sure, there were questionable calls in this one, missed calls. Boogie Cousins cannot buy a damn whistle. Absolutely. You can be irate at all of that, right? That is not the reason the Rockets lost this game. It's just not. It didn't help anything, right? But it definitely, you know, yeah, if a few calls had gone their way, you know, may, it, maybe it changes the flow of the game a little bit. But ultimately, the Rockets lost this game because they got away from their principles. They were, they had defensive breakdowns and miscommunications and lapses that we hadn't seen since early season. Like, think back to the early part of the season when, you know, that that uh, bearded fellow was still a part of this team. And think of all the times that there was a defensive breakdown and everybody just kind of looked around and, like, waved their arms up like, well, whose man was that, right? All those, like, th- those kind of, like, shrugged shoulders, those kinds of, you know, reactions to, to broken down communication on defense. We saw some of that in this game. There was a lot of, like, looking around like, whose man was that? And I don't know where those breakdowns came from because over this six-game winning streak, they looked really, really good defensively. And that was what they were able to rely on was their defense when the offense wasn't clicking and they couldn't do that in this one. So not only was their offense struggling due to, you know, Christian Wood not being as assertive as he needed to be, shots not falling from outside, the Thunder packing the paint, and then Victor Oladipo having a largely just really inefficient night 
19 points, 8 of 24 shooting, only 1 of 8 from behind the arc. If you take about half of those shot attempts away from Oladipo and give them to Christian Wood, arguably based on Christian Wood's efficiency and how good he usually is at converting those shot attempts, then the Rockets are conceivably in this game. And I want to talk more about that and why that didn't happen uh, coming up here in just a moment uh, because I want to I want to focus in on John Wall and what he means to this team on both sides of the basketball court. I'm going to get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. Super Bowl Sunday is almost here. NBA season is in full swing, and there are amazing games every single night. And look, Major League Baseball is right around the corner as well. And there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we here at Locked on Rockets trust, and that is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our very own promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for your very own 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Look, first off, I'm really sorry if you threw any money on the Rockets Thunder game. The Rockets should have won that game, but hey, there's another game, you know, another chance to make a little bit of money right around the corner, so don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Quick word from our friends over at CBDMD. Look, the holidays are finally behind us, which means it's time to catch up on some much-needed rest, relaxation, and sleep above all, right? And even though getting a good night's sleep is much easier said than done, our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to sleep harder than NBA scouts slept on Mason Jones in this past year's draft. CBDPM blends 500 milligrams of high-quality CBD with melatonin, valerian root, chamomile, and other sleep-promoting ingredients to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. And if you want to relax a little before bed, their new CBD bath salts fuse superior CBD with Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bath into a luxury experience. And to make it even easier to get the year started off right, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off your very next order when you use promo code MBA at checkout. So once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code MBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Final thoughts on the Rockets' loss against the Thunder, 104-87, now falling to 10-10 and on the season, right at that beautiful 500 mark, 5-6 and on the road. Thunder uh, improving to 9-11 and on the season, now just 2-7 and at home. That was only the Thunder's second win in their own home arena, a team that usually, you know, is actually a team, place that really sucks to play because Thunder fans are pretty uh, raucous, you know, bunch. Uh, It's one of the hardest arenas to really play in because it's so damn loud in there, I guess, for the players. But, you know, maybe a a team that, you know, really thrives off of their home environment. So they're maybe kind of at a loss with no fans. Uh, Definitely uh, a a feature of the uh, COVID NBA season. Now, let's, before I, let me, I guess, one more, one more thing, uh, just 
general numbers. I think I mentioned I mentioned a couple of them earlier, but just the Rockets, just overall, their shooting numbers uh, below 40% from the floor. That's tough to overcome. Uh, talked about the three-point shooting earlier a little bit, the 12-46, 26% from downtown. That's pretty rough as well. Um, they also got beat on the boards in this one, which was not a great look, 51-41. to 41, And I do think that at one point, the deficit was even worse, somewhere at like midway through the third, going into the fourth maybe. Um, I think some of those rebounds on the Rockets end came in garbage time when the game was largely over. So I think the rebounding deficit was was a little bit worse at one point in this game. But the my my biggest thing, right, and this is the big picture view of this team, is John Wall is crucial to this team's success. And there's no other way to put it. He just is. Um, specifically some of the numbers that I, that I wound up looking at because I was just kind of interested over this past 10 game stretch. So not including this loss. So the exact 10 games post James Harden trade without John wall, the Rockets were averaging 105.2 points per game with John wall. They were averaging 121.2 points per game. I didn't bother looking up the offensive rating number. I just wanted to look up just flat points per game. I probably should have looked up offensive rating, but I feel like they both make the same point. This team hums offensively when John Wall is out there. The offense just flows better. And another issue with that is the team looks lost at times because they don't have a primary facilitator out there. So another stat from the last 10 games, without John Wall, the Rockets were averaging 17.6 turnovers per game. With John Wall, that number drops significantly down to 14.2 turnovers per game. So he's key. He is key. The Rockets are still undefeated when John Wall plays and John and uh, I almost said John Harden, when John Wall plays and James Harden does not play, they are currently six and zero when John Wall plays in a Rockets jersey and James Harden is not his starting backcourt teammate. So that in and of itself is very impressive. Um, so I, I like that. I think that's pretty that's pretty pretty good numbers overall. Um, so. Right now, I'm kind of at this point where he is the leader of the team. And my thing with the offense, and it's not even like, he's just basically, he's a calming presence offensively. And what we saw in this game, right, is is Gordon and Oladipo aren't the guys to get everybody else involved. Yes, they're capable of, you know, making, you know, these little pocket passes here and there or making the right reads on occasion, but when you see John Wall, John Wall out there, I'm all over myself tonight. Anyways, when you see John Wall out there, he is actually orchestrating things. He's moving guys around, putting them in the right spots, you know, working with Silas. If Silas is looking to actively call plays from the sideline, whatever it may be, he is comfortable with the ball in his hands. He is calm, cool, and collected because that's been what he's done for the better part of the last decade. And he is totally adept at at deciding and choosing. Okay, this guy has it going tonight, or we're you know we're we're running something for this guy right now. And I think that in this game, had John Wall been active in this game, there is no way 
that Victor Oladipo would have finished the night with 24 field goal attempts and Christian Wood finished with seven. That's just, that would have not happened because John Wall knows to distribute the basketball, to get a little, to, to give everybody a little bit of opportunity to get involved. I think one of the areas that I've been most impressed with, with John Wall is he shoulders the, look, and you know, I was saying this for, I don't know how many podcasts I said it in. All right. Somebody else can go back and tally him up if you want to, but I, I've said multiple times that John Wall, to me, feels like the perfect blend and mix of Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. Almost like you take the best elements of both of those two players and, you know, just mash them together in one guard. And I say that because what what I'm so impressed by with John Wall is he has this knack for knowing almost exactly like when he needs to be aggressive and score versus when he needs to take a step back and just let the rest of the team do the heavy lifting and he just gets to be in the facilitator role. And I think that's such a really tough thing to, to just inherently know how to do as a player on the basketball court and specifically as as like the primary facilitator for a team as the guy who's, you know, drawing up and not drawing up the plays, but, you know, orchestrating everything that's going on on the court, kind of knowing what your role is and being able to pivot at a moment's notice and decide, oh, my team needs scoring now, or, oh, my team needs facilitating now. Even with James Harden for years, there were certain games, right, where it just comb through your memory. Think about some some of the games where you're you're sitting there, you know, pounding your fist, saying, you know, why is James being so passive? And then he decides to just turn on, you know, the 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 you know MVP scoring you know ability, and he starts you know dragging the Rockets back out of a deficit. But sometimes he would start games and he would actively be looking to get teammates involved, or sometimes he'd start a game and just decide he's just going to score everything at will, and. Very few players have a switch that they can flip and just decide, oh, I'm going to be aggressive and score now, or oh, I'm going to you know, be aggressive and look to get everybody else involved and set up shots for other players. John Wall can do that. Eric Gordon can't. Victor Oladipo can't. Christian Wood can't. There's nobody else on this roster that can flip that switch between those two identities or those two styles of play the way that John Wall can. And so in this game... And just in general, Wall is able to better, again, orchestrate and run this offense. And that's why things run smoothly with him. Because then when they do hit kind of those gaps, right, where maybe a few shots aren't falling or, or whatever, he's making the right decisions to say, okay, well, we need to you know, let, you know, let's slow it down and let's get Seawood a couple looks, right? Let's get Mr. Post Oak a couple looks down low. Let's slow it down. Let him get a post up, be aggressive and get to the rim. Or let me, you know, let me push the pace and transition, right? I think that's another area that Wall has been excellent at is when the Rockets do stick to their defensive principles and they get a stop or two, then John has been amazing at getting that ball and then pushing in transition and either scoring himself at the rim or creating an opportunity, an easy look for somebody else in transition before the opposing defense is set. And those looks are are just significantly easier in the grand scheme of things. If you're able to attack the defense before they get their their you know quote unquote their shell set, which is just their base defense lined up in the half court, all of that, right? If you're able to attack a defense before they get set, then you're going to have mismatches. You're going to have easier opportunities. And it really didn't feel like the Rockets got out in transition hardly at all in this game. They only had five fast break points. And I'm not even specifically talking because there's there's a very you know fine 
criteria for what counts as a you know a fast break point versus playing with pace. And they really weren't even playing with pace. It didn't feel like they were, you know, getting into their sets quickly, getting shots up quickly, or getting quality shots. Just a lot that didn't happen in this game. And Wall is the guy that kind of ignites a lot of that, unfortunately. And he also, again, being the leader of the team, not only does he have that, you know, awesome ability that I you know, described about being able to kind of flip between being a scorer or being a playmaker and kind of balancing both of those identities and deciding which one he needs to use on, on really any given possession or any stretch of a game, but he's also the leader of the team. And so not having that vocal voice, not having that guy out there who is able to, you know, both encourage you, guide you, whatever it may be on defense and on offense, right? You know, this team needs that guy. You know, this is a very young team. And to not have that guy, I, you know, I just, and Victor Oladipo, you know, is not that guy right now. Eric Gordon, you know, we know from previous, you know, media availabilities from other players, that's just not his personality type. Um, Christian Wood, I can imagine, would probably, you know, uh, you, we would hope grow into that guy one day. But that's just not who he is because to be that that special mix of talented enough to where your talent level uh, is is high enough, but then to also have that uh, emotional leader responsibility, John Wall balances both of those, right? P.J. Tucker is absolutely the heart and soul of this squad, but P.J. Tucker's also not out there running the offense. So, you know, and yeah, he's quarterbacking the defense, but it's just, it's a very interesting situation that John Wall finds himself in. And there's usually one or two of those guys on every team where they're the leader based on their play, but they're also, you know, the the vocal leader or the emotional leader of the ball club. And I think that John Wall has absolutely embraced that role here with the Houston Rockets. And when he's not out there, it's noticeable. The team has a distinct drop-off because they're missing a chunk of their new identity in the post-James Harden era. So the easy fix, right? Just have John Wall out there. <laughs> like, I'm so, like, I'm sorry that that's what like my analysis comes down to. Um, but there's going to be games where you have to play without John Wall. So what do you do in those games? You make a concerted effort to make sure that everybody gets involved. And I think a, a big part of that falls on Victor Oladipo and Eric Gordon to make sure that Christian Wood gets involved. But Christian Wood also needs to demand to be involved. Again, it is unacceptable for him to finish a game with only seven shot attempts. It's just unbelievable. You know, I looked at the box score and I, I genuinely was shocked to see only seven attempts. And I think six of them were in the first half, if 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 I'm not mistaken. And I can pull up the the box score really quickly and make sure that I have that number right. Let me double check really quick. Uh, let this refresh very quickly. Yep, six of his attempts. And he was three of six at the half. Two of three from behind the arc at, at halftime for Christian Wood. There is no reason why he shouldn't have had at least 10 to arguably 15 shot attempts by the half. Like, And this, is, this has been a thing that I've been talking about is Christian Wood and his usage rating. And that's something that he needs to get used to. And it's a it's equal parts. The team needs to understand that the offense needs to run through him more than it does anybody else. And he also needs to realize that he needs to be calling forward, demanding the basketball, going out of his way to make sure that his teammates know, hey, I've got to run things out here. And then when he is running things, he needs to be better at 
actually running the offense through him. And that means being aware of when teams are sending double teams at him because it's starting to happen, right? We saw in this game, an adjustment in this game was OKC started double teaming Christian Wood. And there were multiple possessions where Christian Wood got double teamed and either immediately turned the ball over or, you know, was flustered, picked up his dribble, you know, kind of midair with nowhere to go or making a bad pass. Just, you know, there multiple possessions where Christian Wood was not, uh, you know, did not have the best offensive awareness as to what was going on around him situationally, and he got into some funky spots because of it. So this is an area of his game that he needs to grow in because when you get Christian Wood against, you know, however old Al Horford is now, I don't know how old he is now, but when you get Christian Wood against, you know, one-on-one against Al Horford, you know, for the majority of Monday night's game, yeah, he torched him. But then when you start throwing, you know, double teams at him or when you start packing the paint so that he can't get inside as as easily, then you're going to run into issues. And so Wood needs to recognize that and know that if the defense is sending multiple bodies at you, one of your teammates is open. And he needs to be able to then execute that pass, make that read, uh, whether it's you know off the baseline if he's posting up or out of the middle of the floor. And he needs to, make, he needs to be able to make that read without turning the ball over. And it's just another element of his game that he's going to get better at and work on. And, and But he needs the reps to do it, basically, right? If he's not getting actual chances, real game reps to make those reads, to make those mistakes, and then have the film to look at later on, then he's never going to learn from it. And so I do think that, my, you know, again, the, the main takeaway from this one is just offense needs to flow through Christian Wood, and the team is definitely different when John Wall is not out there. And we're going to see it. Like, I can guarantee you right now, when they roll out against the Grizzlies, um, and John Wall is back out there, it's going to look like a completely different team. Uh, and even even though Victor Oladipo will be sitting out, John Wall just brings a different element to the team. Now, I have my final point before I wrap this one up is David Nwaba was also sorely missed in this game. And I, I didn't mean to tuck this away all the way at the end. Uh, I just got really hyper-focused on that point about John Wall and, and what he really means to this team moving forward. But... David Nwaba's energy and his role off the bench has been integral to what this team has been able to achieve over this this you know RIP six game win streak. Um, but he is crucial to what this team wants to do moving forward. And not having him, he has I don't want to say single handedly because again he and Sterling Brown have been a big part of that bench unit. But he really embodies that that energy that hustle just the 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 chaos that he brings when he comes in and he's a chaos but he's like a you know a good a good chaos agent for the Houston Rockets he causes mayhem for other teams and you know whether it be crashing the offensive glass playing passing lanes generating turnovers hard-nosed defense amazing instincts on switches weak side shot blocking whatever it may be David Nwaba does it and so not having that, I mean, he has been a big part of some of those big turnarounds where the Rockets find themselves down early in a game and then the, that second unit starts checking in and then they dial up that defensive intensity to like 11 or 12 and suddenly they find themselves back into the game off some easy transition opportunities, some great stops here and there, that kind of stuff. So not having that element does hurt. And I feel like in a game like this where the Rockets really didn't let this game slip until the third quarter, like even though it was an 11-point deficit at halftime, based on how 
poorly they had played, especially offensively through two quarters. Like there was a, I had a pretty high hopes that, that they were going to go into halftime, get their heads on straight, come back out, turn it around. But then that third quarter happened and things just got even worse. And then I was like, by the start of the fourth, I was kind of resigned to the fact that this game was out of reach. Um, but conceivably, David Nwaba, had he been a part of some of the that second unit, you know, throughout that first half, maybe that energy infusion would have been just, you know, just the juice that they needed to kind of get over that hill and get get some of the stops they needed, get some of the easy transition opportunities, that kind of thing. Um, some of those extra possessions offensively where, hey, the, you know, the first three-pointer missed, but you get that second look at it from, you know, the exact same spot on the court if you get that, those beautiful kickouts. Just, sorry, side note, I love those plays when a offensive board gets kicked out to the exact same spot that a shooter just missed a shot from and you get to tee it up a second time I think those are great and you know as a shooter when you get that chance to sh- to you know tee it up a second time and then you see it go in it's great because you know exactly what you did wrong on the first one whether it's a little bit too much a little bit too you know not enough uh right off you know a little off left right whatever you get to line it up a second time great feeling so that was a big, you know, a big loss for this team, and I'm hopeful that he'll be available in Memphis. Um, if he's not, I still am feeling pretty good about how this team's going to look, because uh, it really is probably going to be night and day how they look with and without John Wall, and that's going to be something for Silas and Co. to figure out: is how do they keep this team from cratering in the absence of John Wall? And that's that. I, I don't have an answer to that right now. I wish I did. I, you know, I sometimes, you know, if, if I had the answers to all the questions in the universe, um, I, if, and I probably wouldn't be hosting a sports podcast. It'd probably be a, you know, answers to the, locked on answers to the universe. I don't know. Point is, is that that's something that, you know, I'm glad that I don't have to deal with and that Silas gets paid the big bucks to deal with. And I'm confident that he'll find something to alleviate the situation to where it doesn't look like such a stark contrast with and without John Wall. Um, and that's going to have to do with, you know, more reps for Oladipo and Gordon, getting those two guys uh, accustomed to taking on a larger role of the playmaking duties uh, in the absence of Wall. Maybe, hey, maybe Jayshon Tate gets, you know, uh, his number called a little bit and, you know, you can leave Eric Gordon and Victor Oladipo kind of operating in that off-ball capacity with Jay Sean Tate running a little bit of the show, right? We saw, we know that he's got playmaking chops. Silas has called him a point forward before. So maybe that's a, a you know, a solution a little bit further down the line for this team in some of these back-to-backs where John Wall's not playing. But we'll see. I'm excited for the Memphis game. I'm excited to see this team turn this around because this is still a very good team. Again, don't overreact to this loss. It's the NBA. Bad losses happen all the time. It'll be fun to see how they turn it around, what adjustments they make. And again, it'll it'll just be great to see John Wall back on the basketball court again. Um, I didn't envision myself falling in love with another player uh, as quickly as this after the uh, James Harden breakup, but... I'm absolutely here for John Wall. Watching that guy play basketball is a just it's a treat every single night. So getting him back out on the hardwood is going to be awesome. Getting the wow factor back out there. Uh, well, I apologize. It won't be the wow factor because Oladipo's sitting now. So it'll be the hey man, we got the WWE factor in this next game. Stone Cold. There we go. That's the one. All right. I'm glad I realized that on the fly because. Uh, without Wall, the the wow factor or the wow-e factor uh, was actually just the owie factor. So 
I will leave on those set of horrendous jokes. I apologize. That's just who I am. Uh, But for this episode of Locked on Rockets, that's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond engagement rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com.